When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Hockey at The Rock. The New Jersey Devils have started the 2023-24 NHL season officially. They have taken three out of four possible points in their first two games that both happened at home against the Detroit Red Wings and the Arizona Coyotes. And to be honest with you, I, I think Devils fans aren't feeling that great about it. Um, so let me just uh, introduce the co-host here, John. How you doing, John? I'm doing okay. And I think that's an accurate assessment of the people who matter as of right now. Great and that you got the results. Not so great with how you got them. Yeah, it's kind of the inverse of what the past couple of seasons have looked like for the Devils, where the process was there, but the results just didn't show up because of goaltending. I would say these two games represent almost the exact opposite, where goaltending kept them in the game for a significant portion, uh, enough that they can earn points out of this, but we're not feeling too great. So let's start with the good. I mean, the good is obvious, right? The good is the fact that they, despite playing what can only be described as like a B-minus, C-plus game as a collective over the first two games, they still managed to get three points. Yeah, it's a testament to the amount of skill that the Devils have, and sometimes you do see this in sports where teams in general don't play particularly well, but the quality of the player or some players just is enough to get you something out of the game. And in the case of the New Jersey Devils of these past two games, that would be Vitek Vanacek, Akira Schmid, Jonas Siegenthaler, Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt for a little bit, and Jack Hughes. Yeah. I mentioned Jack Hughes, Dan. Yeah, if we're talking the good, it's pretty much all those guys that you mentioned. It is exactly the goalies who, despite the fact that they've given up three goals in each game, they could have given up much more, and the Devils mm-hmm. could have been completely out of the game early on. I think Vanacek, especially for that win against Detroit, really buckled down and made some important saves early on in the game so it didn't spiral out of control. Um, Absolutely. So so credit to them. I mean, answering the question of should the Devils have uh, upgraded their goaltending over the summer? So far, it seems like the goalies know their task. They know that they have to keep them in games. And uh, the slow starts, I mean, they're back from last year. But again, with the amount of talent on this team, especially scoring talent, it's hard to ever believe that they'll be down by a goal or two for that long. It's just you don't want to constantly be playing from behind. So while the good has Mm -hmm. been Jack Hughes's line, um, especially him and Brat, and Brat more in the second game than the first. And also, yeah. you mentioned Siegenthaler, Hamilton. Those guys have been showing up, doing what they're supposed to do. Offensively, uh, it, offensively, yeah. <laughs> For it's that, Hamilton, yeah, especially Hamilton, who's scoring some big, big goals already. But um, the the middle six has been largely absent. The middle six has been off the score sheet for the most part. 
Um, they're they're having a tough time generating any sort of offense outside of Jack Hughes and his line. I mean, the forecheck from the fourth line has been decent. They've yeah. been uh they've been very visible. Let me put it that way. And very it's a fourth line. Yeah, very apparent that they're the checking line, and they're I would say also doing what they're supposed to do. But that middle six is generating basically nothing. They're giving you basically nothing, and I wonder if they'll start shifting around some of the rotations. But uh, let let's go game by game just to kind of break down what happened and mm-hmm. uh, how do we get here and what has to happen next. So first game against Detroit, everyone's very excited. Um, the the crowd is great. The yep. the fans are ready for the season. And then someone told the Devils. Hey, you're the ones that are actually going to be playing. You might want to start at some point. And then that first period, it seemed like Vitek Vanacek was the only one who got that notice. And the posts. Yes. Uh, Detroit actually hit the post twice in that period. It was actually mm-hmm. a very, um, very poor first period. Like the, it took several minutes before the Devils even had a shot on uh, Mr. Vile Husso. And uh, the, as mentioned, the Detroit Red Wings could have scored multiple goals in that first period. The Devils got outshot 14 to six. Many fans were wondering, what is this team? Who mm-hmm. is this team? You even got to see a rare Jack Hughes roughing penalty for a reverse hit during a power play. Yeah. More on that in a little bit. Yeah. Because that speaks to a larger point I want to make a little bit later after the Arizona game. Sure. Um, and then after all of this happening, it took a bizarre bounce. Uh, Jesper Brott tried to clear a puck out of the middle of the ice. And it hits off of Daniel Sprong's shins and mm-hmm. trickles through Vanacek. And that's your first goal of, well, of the game and the season being yep. allowed. A total bad break, but Detroit was putting in that work and they got it going. But the Devils did wake up for the second period. And thankfully, due to the stupidity of one, uh, excuse me, of one David Padron, uh, Jack Hughes said, I am going to make you pay for that. And he did. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing about this team, which is also the inverse of seasons past. This power play is lethal. Mm-hmm. This power play is crazy to watch. They whip the puck around. Uh, I think teams should definitely be afraid of it at this oh, point. Um, but it's kind of disappointing that it's been the only game state where the Devils have truly dominated so far. And even in this in this case, it wasn't even that, Dan. Uh, yeah. This was Andres Palat getting away with chops, uh, chopping the stick out of Daniel, yeah. D- Dylan Larkin's hands, which yeah. I would tell you, you know, if that stick broke, and even if it didn't, that really is a penalty most of the time, but the refs let that go. And Jack Hughes uh, put it off Ville Husso's dome. It's a signature it was... Jack Hughesian goal. Exactly, but it gets you on the board. And then later in the second period, he absolutely goes against the grain, cutting to the middle torches who so with a shot it's two to one mm-hmm. and the devils are now in a position to where if they can win the third period they can win the game yep and you know pressure keeps mounting from detroit over and over and over again they do a nice little keep in um i think it was cider who kept it in on a mm-hmm. long possession or wallman or one of those two but it was cider yeah, yeah. okay so it was cider for the first and wallman for the second probably um, well what happened here was that uh beforehand uh, Mr. Wallman decided, I'm, Jack Hughes is on the ground. I'm going to go pin him into the ground. I'm going to straddle him. I'm going to ride that pony. Yeah, those of you that were gaming in the mid-2000s, he also teabagged him on his way out. Yeah, exactly. But Mr. Hughes, the big deal, was not happy about that. So he did something uncharacteristic. He whacked him in the back of the shins. Yeah. The, the, much to the chagrin of the crowd, that's a penalty. That's always a penalty. It's yeah. always going to be called. And it was called. I and- know it. You know it. He knows it. The coach knows it. They all said as much after the game. So any yeah. fan that's still complaining about that being called a penalty is foolish. Foolish. Very foolish. foolish. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Alex DeBrincat punishes it. <laughs> yep. He uh, whips a shot from the slot. 
And there you go, 2-2. And with about four and a half minutes left, uh, the Devils get one of these signature Dougie Hamilton clappers Mm -hmm. for his first goal of the season after not getting a single goal through all the preseason. And the Devils take a 3-2 lead. And then Eric Halla, uh, after a more controlled than expected uh, zone exit down, you know, four four on six, the Devils get the puck to Eric Halla after a uh, Siegenthaler rebound off the boards. And they're up 4-2. And you think, okay, we're coasting. It's fine. And things are going to be all right. And then Detroit scores with 33 seconds left on a power play. Yeah. And it, it comes out that the Devils have given up two power play goals while scoring what two of their own, um, uh, one of their one own of their one. own. Yeah. yeah. So and this then, one is a little odd, Dan, because yeah. here here's the let, let's walk it back a bit. So it's three two. It's five on five. Petrie decides I'm gonna grab a guy mm-hmm. that gets called, which is amazing considering you know it's the last few minutes of the game. Refs typically don't want to get involved, but they got involved. And then ten seconds after that, Larkin is chasing down a loose puck, and Bratt's there. And Larkin decides, I'm going to pretend I'm getting bodied by Jesper Brat, mm-hmm. not exactly the biggest man on the ice. And the ref goes, well, that's clearly interference. It's a very soft call, Dan. And yeah. then, so that's a 10-second overrun after a four-on-four situation. That's where the empty net goal happens. So it was technically a five-on-four. Okay. Um, but then, you know, literally, you know, force, you know, in those 10 seconds of five, you know, power play time for the Red Wings, Fabry you know, dashes in a loose puck in front of the net. So it's, 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 you gave up a power play goal, but I I struggle to call that a failure of the penalty kill. It's already, they they pulled Huso a second time. They just got fortunate in that case that, you know, that was less of a breakdown of the uh, PK as opposed to just, you got overloaded and it happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and again, it was not the cleanest performance. It was, I would say overall, like a C plus effort, maybe that first period, uh, like D minus. And then the second one kind of helping things out in that regard. And you, you think, you know, first game, the jitters are there. They're all very excited to start the season. They're gripping the stick a little hard, lots of new faces to make an impression. And so that would go away by the next day, but it really (laughs) didn't. And so maybe fatigue was a factor, not having played back to back games in a long time, but I don't want to use that as an excuse since they were one of the best back-to-back teams in the league last season. Yeah, and the and, Devils, uh, as, as an organization, will have more back-to-backs than teams like Arizona just and, because of who where they live. And Arizona, you know, Arizona is a team that's in the a strange spot where no one really knows how they're going to play this year. They could be yeah. anywhere from a wild-card team to, like, the bottom of the conference. So they certainly played more like a playoff team against the Devils. But again, the Devils weren't able to generate much from that middle six. And uh, really had to rely on their big guys to even get a point out of this one. Yeah. So basically the first period of this game, if you didn't see the Detroit game and saw the Arizona game, congratulations. You saw the exact same first period with the exception of Arizona scored a goal. Clayton Mm -hmm. Keller dropped a pass to Matt Dumba and Dumba didn't miss beats Schmied. um, You know, not the worst goals to allow per se, but definitely unfortunate that the Devils got housed again at the beginning of the game. And Mm -hmm. this time there was some damage on the board. And worse, Dan, worse, in what I'm going to call the beginning of a penalty fest in the second period, Mm -hmm. where if I'm counting this correctly here, nine different penalties were called within three minutes into the second period to, um, well, until just before 18 minutes into the second period. Yeah. Uh, Sean Dursey drops a hammer from the second, from the middle point 
to make it two nothing. And this is after the Devils had a really good penalty kill in the first period. So mm-hmm. you're already down two nothing to Arizona, who doesn't look anything like the scrubs that they were in years past. They look like a team that's like, hey, we're we're on the rise. They're, they're not too dissimilar to where the Devils were last year. I'll mm-hmm. even say is that much. And um, but again, the Devils got their offense going, and the penalty fest did actually help them in the sense that they got a four on four situation. People booed that, but it led to Jack Hughes setting up Jesper Bratt for a 2 on one and there's a goal. And then later on, you got a five-on-three, or if I'm counting this correctly here, a four-on-three situation yep. where Dougie Hamilton drops another hammer, 2-2. Two, two. And then later in the second period, during a five-on-three, Bratt scores again off across the seam. All, assisted, all those three goals I just mentioned, assisted by the big deal, Jack Hughes. Mm-hmm. Three two, you love to see it. You figure win the third period, you'll win the game. Yep. Dan, did they win the third period? They did not. They lost it they one nothing. Yeah, exactly. Because and here's here's another penalty. So, Mister Brendan Smith. Okay, I'll get into the larger point of this game in a moment, but I'm going to touch on it here. Smith put his stick in between the legs of a coyote. Now, mm. did the coyote sell this penalty? Absolutely. But given that there were nine penalties called earlier in this game in that second period alone, and the Devils already got hit with a penalty earlier in that third period, logic would say, hey, you better play nice out there. You know, you don't put your stick in between somebody's legs. If you got to body somebody up, just do it. You know, use your body. Do it legally. Smith, the veteran, did not do this. Mm -hmm. And then the penalty killing unit could not get a clearance to save their life. McLeod, in particular, just, you know, was chasing plays that were not going to happen. And ultimately, Logan Cooley sent a dime to the right dot for Nick Schmaltz to put it in. It's three to three. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the Devils in overtime had about eighty-five chances to win the game. Well, most uh, all by Jack Hughes, right? Sorry, sorry. I'll say eighty-six chances to win the game. There you um, go. Just given the fact that it was almost entirely Jack Hughes, he looks ridiculous he looks like he's playing with an anger and a fire that we have not seen from him yet not that we've needed to but man oh man the thing is like you don't want to rely on star players or power play and goaltending that makes you the mid-2010s rangers you you don't want to rely on those things because at a certain point that depth is going to collapse and what happens when there's an injury what happens uh if something you know where to go down you're not assured that anyone else can generate offense not but only that you're not always going to get those power plays either like this team should not need jack hughes playing an mvp caliber in order to be good but so far in order to get the points that they've gotten they've needed that exactly and unfortunately you saw another thing that could happen which is what if the other team's goaltender is just really good and carol veljmelka yes he gave up three goals in the second period he's a really good goaltender dan and he mm-hmm. proved that uh, by denying Mr. Hughes credit to Schmid. He he yep. did well, as well as he could. I don't think the goals in, in regulation were necessarily his fault per se. And he definitely held himself well in overtime, especially after Dougie Hamilton got called for tripping and yes, coyote sold it. They yep. dove, but yep. don't put your sticks in the legs, make it easy for the reps, especially number seven, Garrett rank. They can't definitely want to be noticed in this game. Like they can't <laughs> and, sell it. If they're not put in that situation in the first place. Correct. So the devil survived the penalty kill in overtime, which is great. But then you go to the shootout two nothing. You lose four, three. 
Yeah, the shootout's never really been the devil's forte. I, I think uh, it's well, it's not something that not in this cap era. No. Yeah, no, they're they're not good at it. And so again, they got a point. They got three total points out of four possible in their first two games, which isn't the worst thing considering you saw you know other teams losing to Columbus, for example, um, things like that. But again, it's early. They have plenty of time to figure it out. The preseason signs have not returned by play. Oh. But hopefully they uh, manage to turn it around because so far, again, that middle six, we need more from. We need Timo Meyer scoring. We need Nico Heischer scoring. We need those guys to manifest. We need Dawson Mercer to show up. Well, and it looks like at practice today, uh, Amanda Stein's mentioning that the line configurations are going to be shifted around. So it looks Good. like they, they are noticing these issues and going to flip them around. I, yeah. I think what you could do is just kind of flip Mercer into Foley because um, you yeah. know that Mercer, Bratton, Hughes is an effective line. And maybe Toffoli uh, is a little bit better of a retriever than Mercer so far, mm-hmm. although they're both pretty good. But it's worth trying anything because you have to generate something for that middle six. You can't just rely on Jack to score on the power play. And so as fun as it is to watch him weave through everybody with the puck almost every chance he gets, it's still not something you should have to depend upon to win games. So hopefully no. they make that adjustment the next couple of games. And John, who are their next couple of opponents? Because the schedule, I think, gets a little weird this week. There's a lot of uh, well, not this time between games now. Well, yes. I mean, it's a light week. You are right in that sense. So mm-hmm. they've got Florida, who has been shut out already and lost 6-4 to uh, Winnipeg. Uh, they'll get the Florida Panthers on Monday. Florida was a bad matchup last season. And mm-hmm. so I'm not terribly confident about this one. And then on Friday, so the Devils get three whole days off before they go to uh, Long Island to play the Islanders. Mm-hmm. And again, the Islanders already have a win under their belts. They're going to play some more games this week, obviously. They just had the one to start the week. Um, but again, the Islanders are, you know, you know, there are no, no pushovers. They never are. You know, yep. they're always, even if when, even when you beat them 3 nothing, it's not always the easiest way to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get into other things, Dan, I do want to highlight a couple general observations between both games sure okay so first and foremost i'm really disappointed in the coaches preparation for both games it's one thing to have a bad first period against detroit to do it again the very next night Mm -hmm. you know after it it, was a persistent problem last season by the way exactly i mean credit to the devils for they didn't go down too much and i you know they didn't go down at all in the detroit game until the second period and they didn't go you know they were only down two nothing against arizona good that they have the resiliency to fight back but to your earlier point you're not always going to be able to have those opportunities to make those comebacks Mm -hmm. so the best way to start is to you know not just get uh, pinned back in your own end for the first five minutes or so yeah related to that dan one of the concerns i had from the carolina series the playoff loss last year from last season Mm -hmm. earlier this year is that the Carolina Hurricanes aggressive forechecking, especially whether it was one or two players, uh, really gave the Devils a lot of fits. And I pointed out that, hey, if you're gonna if you want the Devils to go the distance, if you want them to get to the promised land, you want them to get to the highest, you know, part of the mountain, so to speak, you gotta have a game plan for that because you're either gonna run into Carolina or you're gonna run into some teams that say, hey, Carolina, Florida, all these other teams that you know, forecheck aggressively, we should too. Yeah. And we got to see that by Detroit and Arizona at point more so with Detroit, but I'm watching Detroit in that first period. I'm like, they're playing like the Canes played the devils. And that's a bad sign because mm-hmm. I, I would expect a lot of teams to look at New Jersey now that New Jersey seen as contenders and they're going to say, okay, we have to prepare a little bit more for these guys. We have to adjust a little bit. They love strong side breakouts. Great. We're going to overload the strong side or, okay. 
we're going to forecheck aggressively and make, you know, some guys like a Luke Hughes or Kevin Ball or a uh, Brendan Smith or whomever make a tough decision, you know, cut off their reverses, cut off their rim arounds and just make life harder for them. Um, the Devils need to provide some adjustments on how they handle their defensive zone play because already against Detroit, you get seated 35 shots against them. That's mm-hmm. not a good thing against Arizona. You can see it again, albeit in overtime, uh, 30 shots. You know, these are things, you know, the devils were well below 30 shots per average last season. And, you know, part of the reason why the offense looks so stunted to start the, each of these games in particular was because the, they couldn't get out of their own end of the rink. So they're going to have to sort out the forechecking. They're going to have to sort out their own breakouts. Otherwise, they're just going to keep running into this brick wall over and over again. And that leads to the third point. And I hinted this with Smith. This is going to sound a little uh, salty, Dan. Mm. But I think teams are going to try their best to, how do I say this? Artfully draw penalties from the Devils. Mm. And we saw this in both the Detroit and more so in the Arizona game. I mean, granted, you know, the Devils had plenty of power play opportunities of their own. They did tag Cooley for embellishment. But some of the calls against the Devils, you know, yes, they were soft calls. They were bad calls. There were some big misses like Brown pushing down Palat twice behind the Arizona net 200 feet away from the play. That somehow was not a penalty. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Devils aren't going to get a lot of respect from opponents, nor should they. If you're going to be a good team, teams are going to you know, come out with both energy and also the willingness to do uh less than sporting behaviors i'll say (laughs) whether that's to get a power play keep the devils off the board send somebody to the box that that they rather would not deal with i mean if you're the detroit red red wings being able to say we put jack hughes in the box for four minutes is you know a benefit (laughs) granted and they and they did they got a goal off of one of them so i wouldn't be i'm not going to sit here and say the florida panthers are going to you know get their speedos on and dive all over newark on monday but don't be surprised if you start seeing like, oh, I feel a stick in between my legs. I think I'm going to go down a little easy because we saw that in both of those games. And I wouldn't be shocked if teams uh, do that against New Jersey. Yeah. And again, it looks like Jack needed no notice to wake up for the start of the season. He is. Yeah, uh, he is flying out there. He already lost yeah. his lady Bing contention by getting four penalty minutes in the first game. Uh, who cares? It's awesome yeah. to see the fire. It's awesome to see that he acknowledges that that was not a smart penalty to take. I mean, he's not yeah. stupid. He he's someone who has played this game before and knows the game state and situation. But first game of the season, you want to stand up for yourself. You want to make sure that you're not going to be a pushover. And I'm honestly knowing the result of that game, I'm okay overall with that penalty as long as he doesn't do things like that consistently. But uh, oh man, he is he's fiery. He's ready. He looks like he is more motivated than ever before, and he looks like he might have himself an MVP season. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's a credit to Jack Hughes that he he's pushing in this way. Uh, to your earlier point, the Devils, if they want to be who we think they can be, you know, they can't just solely rely on him. But at the mm-hmm. same time, if the man is going to play like this, enjoy it, embrace it, let it yep. be, you know. And I think Lindy Ruff, to his credit, will absolutely do that. I think, weirdly enough, I would say Ruff has been too passive, in a sense, in mm-hmm. the first two games. Because even when that Heisher line was getting killed out there, he didn't make any changes to it. Yeah, I mean, it looks you know, like he will now. So th- yeah, they've obviously noticed that there's some sort of issue yeah. going on. They want to maybe move Jack around to get some people going too, uh, because yeah, honestly, but... playing with him, anyone can find opportunities to score. Yeah, good chem is not demonstrated over multiple games. You find it out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
and I'm using Ken because that's Jack Hughes's work, you know, those well, kids sure. these days with the slang and everything. Yes. Uh, but more seriously, you know, most of these guys have played with each other for the most part last season. So, you know, Ruff and his team should be willing to mix and match when things aren't working out. And as the season progresses, especially when you start getting on the road, which the Devils will do against the Islanders, mm-hmm. you, you're going to have to do that because you're not going to get the benefit of a home matchup that you may be able to delude yourself into saying, well, it's okay. The Heisher line's getting killed because, well, you know, Jack Hughes's line is getting a better matchup. Like that you're robbing Peter to pay Paul in that case, mm-hmm. um, you know, Peter and Paul can't both be uh, poor. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see, we'll see if, you know, we'll, we'll see if not only the devils are not only making changes now, but they're willing to make changes in game. Cause I think that's part of the reason why they won as many games as they did is that they didn't get so married to their lineups that they said, Hey, this isn't working. Let's find something that does. And mm-hmm. Hey, there's a goal. Hey, there's a play. Hey, there's no more goals against that line. And therefore, you know, the team is better off for it. Well, good teams win when they don't play their best and good teams are adaptable. So the, the devil's, so far, have to find ways to be both if they want to achieve the things that they, the lofty expectations that they set for themselves this season. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. It's only been two games. Obviously, it's a very small sample size. Uh, in, in other league news, there was a uh, referendum that came out, a memo about the league, and the banning of the usage of pride tape in warmups, the rainbow-colored tape, because suddenly people have become afraid of rainbows. And so uh, with all that being said, uh, kudos to Brian Burke for saying that he would pay the fine of any player that uh, was fined for using pride tape Uh, and really just really sarcastic. Good job. Round of applause for the NHL claiming for years that hockey is for everyone. And yet when someone wants to put a little piece of rainbow on their stick, suddenly for the seven people in the league that are offended by this. We can't have that. We can't have this discussion happening, even though that's the entire point of putting the tape on the stick. Not only that, but, you know, it hasn't been a problem for seven seasons. Yeah. <laughs> now no it's a one's problem. had an issue with it until last year when a few guys did who didn't have nope. to do it. And wrong, now we wrong. have to kowtow to their demands. Wrong. Wrong. What? We have to do it because the New York Rangers didn't want to wear the pride jerseys. Well, also Minnesota, right? And Chicago. Yep. But New York was first. They pulled the rug literally minutes before their warm-up. And so as much as I know you're referring <laughs> to Ivan Provorov and you're referring to James Reimer and you're referring to Eric Stahl. And yes, those people are doofuses. I'm not saying they aren't, but they don't make the rules in the league. Yeah. The Rangers do. The Blackhawks yeah, well. do. The Wild do. They're they're on the board of governors. They're on the executive. I, th- I think one of them is on the executive board at minimum. The executive board that David Blitzer just joined, by the way, of the Devils. Surely it's not Jim. Is it Jim? I think it's Craig Leopold, but I have to check. But the point is, Dan, is that uh, this was literally announced right before the start of the NHL season. So, you know, it it pretty much kills the vibe, so to speak. And I'll say for myself personally, I'm very disappointed in several of the people who matter, who both first um, complained that the Devils said that Hamas terrorism is a bad thing and revealed their asses, so to speak, on the Internet. I'm very disappointed at the number of uh, my fellow fans who... um, don't want to see the truth. And then I'm more disappointed or just as disappointed in those same people who matter, who suddenly have now said though, Oh, pride tape. We don't need that. We don't want this type of thing. We don't need the politics of the game as if this was a political statement. I will say, however, I am glad the devils came out with the statement that they did about that, about mm-hmm. the Hamas terrorism. I'm glad that Jack Hughes has said it's dumb. I said, I'm glad that number uh, several players have not only said that this is stupid, 
I'm also glad that the hockey media, after being silent about Israel, has decided to say immediately after the Pride tape that that's a bad thing. Like Craig Button, Pierre Lebrun, uh, Gord Miller, many people, many quote unquote names in the hockey media industry has pointed out how dumb the Pride tape ban is, and that apparently one team has already ordered a full roll. Yeah, that's so awesome. we're, we might we're we're probably going to see some defectors, so to speak, and I think that's a good thing for the league as a whole. And I think yeah. it's a good thing in general, as I've said before, this wasn't an issue five years ago. Yeah. It just wasn't. It shouldn't it, be an issue. Well, like that's the other well, thing. Uh, well, we don't live in a world of shoulds. We live in a world of reality. And and the harsh reality is that, you know, you can't convince me that this is anything but a bad decision. You yeah. know, you're, it's effectively telling people to stay in their closets. And I don't believe that. Well, it's telling a large section of people that there's no room for them in your sport, which in a sport that lags far behind the other three major ones in this continent uh, in terms of popularity, in terms of revenue. Why would you do that? Why would you isolate people? Why would you alienate people from a sport which could pick up a lot of fans if you just accept your mission of it is for everyone? It is a great, great sport, which is tragically run by the worst league of the four. Well, it's no. I'll hold my thoughts on that. Yeah, fine, but whatever. Like, but the point is, it is a a stupid decision by the league. They know it was a stupid decision. And again, it's decisions like like these that you see the lines of revenue year after year rising for the NBA and the NFL, and you see hockey just basically completely flat. This, like, you've seen these charts before. The revenue that hockey has grown since two thousand. Uh, has lagged far behind the other three sports. Sports have only gotten more popular. And so I don't really know, like, yeah, it's grown, but the rate at which it's grown has been far behind the others. There's no arguing that. Well, that is true, but that's not really due to decisions about pride because the NBA doesn't do anything like that either. No, but it's an amount And the NFL absolutely doesn't. But the point right? is, you're right. It's an amalgamation Those, they... of decisions like this. Correct. It's, it's, it's basically not reading the... Um... Not reading the room, so to speak, about what's important in business, what's important in trending. And again, as I said earlier, the teams run the league. You know, it's not Gary Bettman. Gary Bettman mm-hmm. is just their mouthpiece. He's just their, um, you know, they're the guy who has to be the bearer of bad news, so to speak. It's the Jeremy Jacobs. It's the James Dolans. It's the David Blitzers. It's the Craig Leopolds. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs executive board. It's the Montreal executive board. Those are the people who, you know, and others obviously run the league. So ultimately, um, somebody needs to tell James Dolan, Craig Leopold, and um, I forget his first name, but the Wurtz that's now in charge in Chicago. Danny, Danny Wurtz. Danny, thank you. Um, guys, it's a sport where people get hit in the face. Stop being so scared of rainbows. You know, don't let some Seriously. don't let some idiot. You know, let the idiots be idiots online. They don't count. You know, like like that. what happens when it rains outside? What ha- what happens when it rains and you see a rainbow? Do you just cower in fear? Do you do you just completely shake and dribble down your leg like what what is the deal here i don't understand well, why we're so afraid of this well unfortunately we also live in a world where you know thousands of people can be slaughtered and people want to tell you it didn't happen yeah so well. you know <laughs> unfortunately we don't live in the world of shoulds we have to live in the world of reality yeah, but fortunately well. dan yep fortunately we can always make changes pride tape can always make a comeback and more importantly there will be games to play devils will play better hopefully and, um, you know, the idiots will continue to be idiots, but by themselves. All righty. Well, I think that takes us to the end of this episode. Um, you know, not the best start, but the results still came to an extent where 
honestly the best we could hope for for the games that we saw. So hopefully they pick it up this week on a lighter week, and we'll be back next week to give you the breakdowns of those games. Uh, it does, you know, at the end of it all, even if they didn't play their best, it feels great to be back. It feels great to be watching competitive hockey again. So uh, very much looking forward to doing that all the way up until June. Right, John? That's the hope all the way to June. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you all again for joining us and we'll catch you on the next episode of Hockey at the Rock. Let's go Devils. Go Devils. Bye, everybody. Bye.